Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, guys. Bill Spadia here for the Speaking Podcast. As you know, we've been uh, speaking about a lot of different things, and I've tried to bring in different guests each week so that beyond our normal conversation with the light banter of me, Jay, and Jessica, uh, we check in on some pretty serious subjects. And one of the big issues facing New Jersey right now is the legalization of marijuana. Back in November, uh, almost a, a year ago, the voters approved a ballot initiative saying, yes, we want legal pot. Well, then it was up to the legislature to figure out what does that exactly look like? And people on both sides of the aisle saying what the legislature did proves again even New Jersey could screw up legal pot. And they did. They passed a bill that has put cops and kids and families at odds because they have created an enforcement component, which forces cops to not enforce the law, even when it comes to kids who are underage. Classic New Jersey government punting on their responsibility and hurting people. To add to that, the taxes and the inefficiencies, what they've accomplished is no elimination of the black market. So I wanted to bring in my friend, a guy who's been an advocate uh, on uh, on the uh, on a side of this that really brings a common sense perspective. His name is Peter Brown. He's a former Democratic councilman in Linden, New Jersey. He's also a dad, and he's got some big concerns. Peter, welcome back. Good to see you. Thank you, Bill. So why don't we start with the law enforcement perspective first on this, that, you know, as I said, you know, only New Jersey could screw up legal pot. And we've now got a situation where police officers, based on the legislation that passed and was signed by the governor, not allowed to police underage uh, marijuana use or underage drinking. And a cop could actually face a fine, believe it or not, up to $150,000 and potential jail time that could be as high as 10 years for a civil rights violation. You were a member of council in Linden. You managed the cops. You worked with the cops. What's your perspective on that piece of the new law? Um, I'm not surprised. I'm going to tell you why I'm not not surprised, because here's my perspective. The main sponsor of the bill, Nick Scatari, is a state senator here in Linden. And from the very get-go, from the very beginning, when he was pushing this legislation, members within City Hall, um, council members such as myself, we reached out to Nick about concerns that we had with the legislation. So that from the very beginning, the state senator sponsor of this bill was against law enforcement, was against common sense, was against parents, was against people coming to the table to express concerns. Um, the only people who have been in a room the whole time during this legislation was the cannabis industry. I mean, you see that in the lobbying efforts. They spent millions of dollars lobbying uh, to push this, but yet no money from any uh, parent association, any uh, law enforcement association was spent, uh, nor were they even present in the room. So you, 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 know, you can't be surprised. But what do you what do you think? I mean, you talk, the cops that you've talked to in Linden, what are their thoughts on literally being handcuffed that they can't now police underage uh, drug and alcohol use? 
even if it's on school property, I mean, it really is is wild that that got through. Yeah, I mean, he, he, here's the thing with law enforcement. Anyone who knows law enforcement has friends who are cops. They're not out there to arrest people. They're out there that if they see someone doing something wrong, of course, they want to de-escalate the situation. You know, they, they're trying to reduce crime. They're trying to be part of the solution. You know, community policing is something that's big here in Linden. So, of course, the police officers here uh, who, who care about the community um, have negative feelings about this bill because now they can't talk to parents who they may have grown up with. Right. Um, Even if they do cite the kid, they can't tell the parents they, they found. I mean, it's, it's, it's I think it takes a step back to what community is about. You know, if I know um, if my kid does something wrong, I want to know. I want the cops to let me know. I want uh, the uh, law enforcement to let me know so that I can correct behavior of my child. I mean, this is just wild. Let's, even though I, I, I hate the fact that everything has gotten racial these days, I feel like before Obama was president, um, we didn't talk about race every day. And, and since the Obama presidency, maybe that's not fair, just Obama, but uh, really since the Ferguson uh, situation and you know and and the police officer who had to effectively go into hiding after uh, doing what uh, many now and the evidence certainly shows was doing his job but it got spun so out of control all of a sudden now cops are painted as as the villains and every single thing is about race so that unfortunate piece aside um, let's talk about race in the perspective that the folks that support this Nick Scutari Jamel Holly others they will invoke the race card immediately and say the reason we had to do this is the black and brown community was unfairly targeted and this is effectively liberating the black and brown community especially young people who are now free to go about and live the same lives that the white suburban kids are living so thank god this passed and they've doubled down on it as a black american um do you are you comfortable with politicians speaking and painting this broad brush for all people who have um, a, a skin color other than white. So let's talk about race. Nick is white, I'm black. And Nick, who's a white um, uh, senator, along with other white senators, did not listen to members who are part of the Black Caucus, who were against this bill. So they were concerned about what um, blacks and people in urban cities were concerned about. They would have listened to our concerns from the very get-go. Um, they were not concerned about that. Um, Nick's concerns do not reflect that of a father. Nick has no children. Mm -hmm. So there's two things that Nick doesn't understand from perspective. He doesn't understand the perspective of an African-American father, which I am. Um, so when it comes to race, you know, we, we could talk about it from that aspect. Also, from, um, from what we're trying to achieve here is that if I want economic development within a community, one thing you do is that you would want them to be um, um, people um, who are not doing well to have great jobs, whether it's being a police officer, a firefighter, uh, a technician, uh, any of these high paying six figure jobs. Guess what? You're going to be drug tested. Nick knows this. Nick's doing the exact opposite. By getting people in um, towns such as he represents in Linden, in Plainfield, that already has high um, unemployment, that already has high uh, um, uh, poverty rates, what he's doing is infusing drugs into communities that are not going to be able to uplift themselves socially because of the drug testing standards. 
companies are still going to be able to allow you to drug test. So if I go and apply to be a job for a police officer, I'm not going to be able to pass the test. Nick knows this. It's a, it, and so Nick's doing the exact opposite of what the bill's intending to do. Why do you think uh, members of the Black Caucus eventually, though, pushed to get the cops removed from this? I mean, I know Senator Rice and uh, Assemblyman Jamel Hawley celebrated this once it passed. And, and the, 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 the white politicians basically said, well, we had to give the Black Caucus what they wanted. And that's the only way we got this thing through. It seems like this is the old story that they, uh, they say a, you know, a, a camel is a horse designed by committee. There were so many people involved in the mix. And all of the interest was based on legalizing marijuana and decriminalizing it. And what came out of it was something that uh, has now turned it as cops are the criminals, parents are not involved, and kids can go and use drugs and alcohol without being harassed. Uh, it seems like they got exactly the opposite of what they wanted. How do you how do you approach a black politician who says this is the victory? I mean, Jamel Hawley was tweeting about it, thanking the governor, the whole thing. I was very disappointed and a little surprised, to be honest. I know Jamel personally. And again, it's a matter of perspective. What are we trying to achieve here? You know, almost every person who celebrated this victory, let's look at the elected report. They got money from the cannabis industry. So of course they're going to sit up here and say, yes, this is a victory. It's a victory for you because of people who gave you money. Take, Nick's, money, guitar, baby. <laughs> take, take Nick's guitar, for example. The guy literally is getting money from people associated with weed maps. And in Nick Scutori's election report, let's put that out there in the public, the guy has over 800000 in his campaign account. And in this campaign account, he spends money on food, traveling, uh, cell phone expenses, and never puts any of that money uh, in his campaign account towards the children in the community. I mean, I, I, I'm hoping that people will eventually peel back the layers of this bill and understand that this bill was all fluff. This is nothing more to satisfy the cannabis industry. So let's so let's talk about that. I mean, I know, you know, my my friend Bill Caruso, uh, you know, a big Democrat who was a regular guest on Chasing News. He and I have had a lot of disagreements over this bill. He was one of the leading voices of it. And basically he dismisses the concerns and he was one of the chief attorneys advocating for the cannabis industry. This was all about money. Uh, no one talked cool. about what this did with not eliminating the black market, the danger that still exists in our communities. And, uh, and, and what I can't get anyone to tell me is how many young um, you know, black youth, Hispanic youth are in jail right now because all they were doing was smoking pot. Nobody seems to be able to put a number on that. Uh, I wonder if this was a solution in search of a problem and there are much greater issues in the black and brown community, as you've said, Peter, employment. Right. Uh, you know, job creation. So let, let's so let's talk about that. Right. You're you're a dad. You're a black man. You're a dad. you got to come in from all sides. And you're almost told because of the color of your skin, how you should be expected to vote, um, what causes you should be expected to support. Um, now, that said, how much harder is it in an environment like this to raise kids and talk to them about the dangers of drugs? And the scientists will tell you that, uh, hey, cannabis is not a gateway drug, meaning it's not like heroin, you're not gonna get addicted right away. But what the scientists don't tell you and what the cannabis community won't tell you is almost every heroin addict that I've worked with, talked to, you know, I spent a lot of time in these recovery groups, they'll tell you one of the first things they did was that they either had, had a drink or smoked a joint. So there's obviously something psychological here. 
How do you do it as a dad, um, given all the pressure on you? Very simple. I go to the science. Let's go to the data. Let's, let, let, let's talk about this and break it down into layers. Is that the cannabis industry is a business. They don't care anything other than pushing a product. And so um, part of me, uh, what I did was my research. And I, I like to tell people, so when I went to Denver, um, Colorado, and this was the model that Nick eventually started to use. And you went as an elected official. I went as an elected official. And this is especially after the state senator refused to meet with local officials. He says, Let me go out to Denver to take a look at it and ask questions. You know, uh, my background psychology. So you want to get data firsthand of what's going on. And the, uh, one of the storefronts, these shops that was their dispensaries, uh, the guy showed me his display, he showed me everything that he, that he had there. Um, and he had um, empty jars. That's where the flower used to be. And he told me, he says, Peter, when we first opened up here, we legalized it, people would grow the flower at home, bring it into the store, and then we would resell it. However, within five years, they went from taking flour from homeowners uh, to now products um, with THC levels of 60, 70%, uh, vaping products, um, um, THC in the oils, drinks. It was so commercialized. And that shows you the power and innovation of, um, um, of capitalism is that you, know, you went from very innovative and unique products because it's hitting that pleasure principle is hitting that addiction principle. So, you know, you have to break it down to the science and no one's talking about this. You know, if you wanna talk about economic growth and development, then let's look at the jobs that are gonna create economic growth and development. That's technology, it's a no brainer. We should be teaching and infusing our community with um, technology jobs, uh, technology courses, um, the data is out there as far as the industry that survived COVID-19 is technology. It's a no-brainer. So how does legal pot in the way they've done it where there's no law enforcement component now for anyone under the age of 18, um, how, do you, how do you get there? Uh, what do you mean? Well, the cops can't bust the kids now. So you yeah. get a kid that is 15 years old, he's drinking and smoking pot at school, uh, I don't know any police officer in the state of New Jersey that's going to bust that up because, uh, you know, maybe a white kid, because if it's if it's a black kid or a Hispanic kid, they're going to potentially face a civil rights violation. And today, everybody's got their cell phones out. So the cop tries to do the right thing. Um, you know, it's not worth the risk of losing their job over this. And even if he busts up the, the event, this kid who's doing drugs, the cop then can't go tell the parents that this happened. So the parents are no longer involved. So how do you, how do you, how does that get dealt with from a parent's perspective? I mean, are we, have we separated parenting from the community? I think parents need to go and contact their state or local officials. I think, I think that's the first step is create enough noise at the local level, because here's the thing is that you want cops and parents to communicate. I mean, what parent would not want a cop saying, listen, I saw Billy doing this, yada, 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 because, and, and as working together as a community, you can correct your child's behavior. You know, every parent wants their child to do well. I mean, I, I've had um, great experiences with police and fire 
when it came with, with my children. Um, and I think that's what helps build a family. And then, you know, this is what's going to, in my opinion, if you want to say erase racism, I think it's going to de-escalate the hostility that you, um, that's out there between police and, and the black community. I mean, you take Linden, for example, we have a, um, intertwined community policing um, um, into our, our strategic plan for like, I want to say the last like maybe five years. So does this legal pot bill, uh, new law now, does it help or hurt the community relationship with the cops? I think it definitely hurts. I think it hurts the community. I think it, I think more importantly, it hurts the child. You know, what child does not want a sense of direction? If we're just now letting children go out there, smoke and drink, um, their habits of what they're developing at such a young age, 15, 16, 17, 18, is going to lax. And what's going to happen? Again, they're not going to be able to get a job. They're not going to be productive members of society. Mm-hmm. They're, going, they're not going to go away for college. I mean, come on. What are we really doing here? It's common what sense. What you favor, Peter? As, as an elected official and as a dad, did you favor the decriminalization of marijuana? Uh, I have often talked about it on my show. I did it when I was hosting Chasing News. I talk about it on the radio all the time. I believe in home grow. I think that if a guy wants to grow a pot plant in his tomato garden, who am I to stop him? I don't really care. Uh, there's obviously a difference between that and rolling joints and selling them and in dad bags on the schoolyard. I mean, so w- what do you favor? I favor decriminalization. I think, and that's where you see even members of the Black Caucus saying, let's decriminalize it first. You know, the, the whole point is you're criminalizing someone for behavior, smoking, smoking, and the penalties were high. So members of the Black community, including me, uh, myself, say, saying decriminalize it. And then let's go the next step as far as now we need to get people off cannabis. We need to get them productive members of society. I mean, you look at the civil rights movement, and this will really pisses me off is when you have white politicians talking about this as a social justice issues and civil rights issues when back in the 60s and 70s civil rights with martin luther king and malcolm x they were family men they didn't talk about drug use hmm. but now you have white politicians talking about drug use in the black community wow. and encouraging it that's not accurate. that doesn't help us that actually holds us back it prevents us from getting good jobs it prevents us from um, being productive members in society, being addicted to any type of drug. I mean, look at co- what happened with COVID-19. You know, the government uh, closed gyms but kept liquor stores open because... Crazy. Think about it. I mean, it's... it's insane. <laughs> and knowing that people who were unhealthy to begin with were the victims of COVID-19. Those of us working out healthy, you know, under the age of 70, pretty much to a, to a person, fine. Yeah, it's, it, that is an incredible contrast. They actually said, it was funny you say that, uh, you know, I've talked to some of the addiction specialists on that, and they're like, well, you could have had uh, crime, you could have actually killed some of these people that couldn't get their fix, et cetera. And I'm like, right, but, 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 but if you leave the liquor stores open, you should at least leave the gyms open, right? Don't, should yeah. we agree with that? Or the holistic healing centers, you know, I do yoga five days a week. Um, it, was, it was absurd. It should, but, but Bill, take this example. So if, if society, if government could not even fix addiction when it comes with alcohol, how's it going to fix addiction with marijuana, where the THC levels that we smoked when we were younger is like 15, 20% are now all the way up and commercialized to 70 because they've been able to trigger that 
pleasure principle that dopamine, get it where people are addicted to it. And if government can't solve addiction with alcohol, what are they going to do now with cannabis? So you're saying the addiction is on the high. The addiction is I can't cope with my daily life and I just better I, you know, stuff the bowl or, or, or roll the joint and get high. Um, what do you say about the, um, the products? I, now, I didn't know that. And all that I've read about this, that the THC level is much higher now. It's concentrated higher yes. now than it was when you and I were kids. And I, uh, yes. uh, as, uh, although Bill Clinton didn't admit to inhaling, yes, I smoked pot as a kid. Yes, I did inhale. Um, and, you know, and it was an experiment, right? You're 16, 17 years old. You try some things out. If you get in trouble, you get in trouble. And sometimes getting in trouble is the best thing for a kid because then you redirect your life and you do something else uh, positive and you put that positive energy somewhere. That opportunity is now lost with this new law, certainly. But what do you say about uh, the, the cannabis industry insists they are not targeting children? Oh, Me, they're not. They totally are. Uh, it's gummy bears, candies, like, you know, you're talking about getting high off a little gummy teddy bear. What, what do you say to that? Listen, it's bullshit. Let's call a spade a spade. You it's know, a podcast. You can say that. Is, oh, I, I can't. All right. Look at every industry, and it's a cycle. Alcohol, cigarettes, um, tobacco, any of these, it's an addictive product. And what happens is that th these companies know the drill. They target the youth. They pay a fine but they get them hooked at an early age. And what does government do on the other end? Government on the other end, hey, we need to increase taxes. We increase taxes on here. So now the poor get to double whammy. If you want to talk about economics, right? And so if you're someone who's unhealthy, who's smoking and addicted to cigarettes, and the government says we need to increase taxes, you're paying more now for that pack of cigarettes. We've seen it over and over again, right? So the cannabis got to win in this bill. Uh, the government got to win because now they have something that they could generate revenue from. But the public lost. The public lost uh, uh, with the black community getting any sense of economic growth and development. Um, and, and the community lost because now you don't have police being able to have dialogue with parents. So and what, do you, what do you do about it, right? What do you, I mean, let me, uh, I know you and I have talked about this. Like, I'm not a pot smoker, and uh, I do believe that uh, people who want to get access to medical marijuana should have it. I, I think that the products that are out there, these, these, uh, you know, the, the, the oils that are out there, CBD oil, et cetera, I, I have a lot more confidence in those natural medications than I do the opioids that the doctors have been pushing. I said this on the show this morning. Um, you know, people are like, well, you got to trust the docs. I'm like, you mean the same docs who helped create this opioid addiction culture that has now led to oh. literally hundreds of thousands of kids experimenting with drugs like heroin, et cetera, and, and the highest deaths in the country happening in New Jersey, places where this we're literally at the heart of the push to legalize after, the, after some of the Western states did it. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Who do you it's, trust? It's yeah, but they're trusting the wrong doctors is that we have to go back to psychiatry, psychologists, right? Psychiatry understands dope, the difference between dopamine and serotonin. You know, if someone's suffering from a mental health disorder and we don't talk about that, you don't, you don't have politicians using data uh, when, to talk about mental health uh, the same way they do with COVID-19 is how do we address it? is 
is going back to the basics of utilizing doctors who understand psychiatry, psychology, sociology to address real life problems. You know, I mean, it's simple solutions. Get a board of black doctors together uh, to address issues in black communities. It's not a matter of black, no more, more than whites uh, or, or vice versa, but it gives you a different perspective. And at the same time, it brings inspiration to those youth within that community. We've seen it, we've seen it over and over again. Positive role models do have an effect on the community. So how do you feel the product itself? Would you would you take it? Would you try it? I've tried it. I've tried it. Um, that's when I knew New Jersey was in trouble. So um, when I went no, to Denver, whatever. well, because when I went to Denver, you know, like you, when you smoke it, you start experiencing things. <laughs> that's how you know. It's like, wait a minute, holy crap. Um, and that's um, when I alerted uh, certain politicians about the dangers of this, because if you have a population who is that high constantly, you're not going to have a productive society. Uh, and so as a politician, as a, a member of society, why would I want that in my community? Hmm. So you're going to run again? Never. No. <laughs> Never. Why? No, um, I, I think with politicians and politics, you know, um, uh, unfortunately, nowadays it's become a celebrity contest. You can't say what you truly feel um, and be true to uh, be true to change at the same time. So what's next for Peter Brown and what's next for your family? I mean, how do you combat this? Because the, the law's here. The, 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 the drugs are here. The drugs are here to stay. I don't know that they're going to reverse or change any of this. We have the head of the state, uh, head of the uh, largest union in the police union in the state, basically uh, advising officers, you're going to follow the letter of this. You need to stay away from any of these busts. And you know, they know how bad this law is. So cops are pulling back. The cannabis industry is creating kid-friendly products that I perceive as kid-friendly products. And um, and the war in this state is against cigarette smoking and vaping, which has helped millions of people quit the nicotine habit. Um, but the wars on those products and the illicit drug trade seems to be allowed to operate now in, in broad daylight. I... I I believe what this bill has done um, and may not have been um, right now and people see it, but for years to come, people will see that this bill really uh, shows how disconnected government is from reality. Um, I'm not sure if you know, like the provision in this bill, towns have until August of this year to make a decision if they're going to allow um, cannabis to be sold in their city or not. And then there's different levels of which they can. Whatever happens, um, you, uh, whether you, a town opts out or uh, um, opts out or allows certain things to be sold, they are locked in for five years. Think about that. Five years. So this goes sideways where, if, let's just say a town sees um, um, that they're having problems with retail stores or or this or issue uh, is leading to so that for whatever reason they want to stop selling pot in a the town they can't within wow. the five years of this 
Um, What does that tell you? That state officials did not work with local officials on this. Um, It's going to be a disaster. So what what am I doing is I think this, um, I'm trying to educate my children more um, on the reality of society. You know, go to school, study hard, um, you know, focus on these classes. Uh, when I have an opportunity to take them out to the museum, uh, 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 hiking, this and that. But um, unfortunately, I, I, I just think this is how government is at this point. They're, they're disconnected from the reality. Yeah. Well, Peter, I hope eventually you revisit that decision of not running again, but I definitely want to have you back on the show. We'll uh, we'll regroup uh, in a month or so and just see how it's going. It's the old uh, the meme on Twitter, right? How it started, how it's going. How it started yeah. was, let's keep uh, minorities from having uh, an unfair justice system target them. How it's going, uh, <laughs> I don't know. We're going to find out. We're going to find out, but I, I tend to agree with you. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate uh, your time always. I want to thank my friends at Flemington Car and Truck Country, my good friend Steve Califer, great, outstanding company, uh, does do uh, great work, and really uh, they, they are an example of the backbone of small business that really makes New Jersey what it is. And I want to thank them for sponsoring this uh, speaking podcast um, every week. Peter, we'll certainly have you back. How do people get in touch with you if they want to? Twitter, Facebook? Uh, I have an Instagram account, so that's an easy way to find me. I mean, I Great. just post. What do you want Instagram? Me. Uh, this is my name, Peter A. Brown Jr. I mean, it's mostly pictures of me, with my children. It's like you know, I retired from office, so it's been more uh, spending time with my children and reconnecting. So th- those are what those pictures are. <laughs> Love it. Thank you, Peter. Great to see you. All right, see you later. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.